knowing your role in an organization is extremely important, so you know what to do, but your overall role of what level you're on is just as important. And a lot of times when there's a mismatch, it can create a lot of problems. So as your leadership career grows, you're going to start at the beginning, obviously. So you're going to start on the execution level. Then you're going to go to a bridge level, which kind of like middle management. But then hopefully you get to a higher level where you are in the vision level. And when you operate differently, when you're in one of those levels than what you actually are, it creates a lot of problems. So that's what we're going to talk about is the leadership pendulum, the journey you're going to take and making sure you understand how you can best impact your team based on what level you're at. Because when there's a mismatch, it is a big, big problem. And you certainly don't want you to create things for your team to do in order to make yourself look important or just fulfill your role that way. But understanding, are you on the execution level? Are you on the bridge level? or the vision level really will help your team grow and more importantly, help you grow as a leader. And we're gonna talk about that next. You found the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast where we talk about all things leadership because leadership isn't just what you do, it's who you are. So we help to make you a better leader, help keep your sanity and make your team better so you make more money. So every week we talk about a different topic that helps you do all those things. So hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Tell all your colleagues and friends and let's get a discussion going on how we can grow together as better leaders. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you had a fantastic week and another good week ahead. So the leadership pendulum. So just uh, for about everybody, our leadership careers start close to or at the execution level, meaning close to the frontline work, you know, the real work, either in producing products or customer facing roles. As your career grows and you assume more responsibilities, you'll go through a leadership pendulum, kind of the same as in life, you know, as a young adult and building a life and hopefully having opportunities to give back later as you build a career and hopefully build some wealth and mentor others, personal or career level. But for this discussion, we'll mainly focus on just the professional side of that, starting with being the work producer, then a team builder, and lastly, a vision leader. And if you're an entrepreneur, that actually might work in reverse. So you're going to go through a leadership pendulum of how much time are you going to devote doing the actual work, so to speak, versus the thinking. And then hopefully you either grow a big company or you're part of a large organization and you're kind of the glue in the middle. You're not necessarily on the execution level and you're not necessarily the visionary. You are the one that kind of you have to keep all that together. So that's the pendulum. And we'll get into why that is so important and how that helps each level help the other level and keep the organization going in the right direction. So this is where you need to have an entrepreneurial mindset about your own leadership development. You are responsible for your own growth. So many times we wait for that company to send us to some training or bring some expert in, but you are responsible for your own growth and there are plenty of free stuff out there. According to a Harvard Business Review article back in 2017, turning potential into success, the missing link in leadership development organizations around the world are failing in one key metric of success. That is leadership development. According to the research from the corporate level board, 
66% of companies invest in programs that aim to identify high potential employees and help them advance, but only 24% of senior executives at those firms consider the programs to be an actual success, and a mere 13% have confidence in the rising leaders at their firms, down from an already low 17% just three years prior to that. So, And at the world's largest corporations, which each employ thousands of executives, a full 30% of new CEOs are hired from the outside. And it kind of makes you wonder if companies are so successful, meaning they're in business and they're making money and they have tenured executives already working for them. How do they not have someone internally ready to take over? Have you ever seen that on a department or a divisional level? An outsider hired to take over people already working there. And the other side of that argument is, well, if you only promote from within your own team, you're definitely limiting your talent pool. So is it the outside talent that's driving the business or the inside talent or a combination of both? And you have to protect both. More importantly, how do you show you are the emerging leader, that you're ready for more responsibility and leading on the next level? For one to understand the leadership pendulum and its different levels, first, the execution level which is the front line. This is where the real action is. The second level is what I call the bridge level, You know, better known as maybe middle management or, or maybe even department management where you're kind of doing both. And I know middle managers get a bad rap, but we'll get into the pros and cons of that later. Uh, the third level is the vision level or what I like to call the future level. As a leader on a journey, you have to think about these three levels and where you fit in. There, there will be times you'll lead from each of these levels and what will make you effective is knowing when you need to lead from which one of these levels based on what's in front of you. you know, there is a mindset you should have no matter what level you're leading from. Gandhi's quote, be the change you wanna see in the world or in a business sense, be the leader you always wanted to work for. Or even morbidly, but a beginning with the end in mind type way of looking at it or looking at your leadership would be your eulogy. You know, when you're done working, side note, it'll be the same in life as in work of who you were that what are they going to say? What are you leaving behind? So two things that um, bring that thought to mind, you know, it's our very first podcast, always a leader because you are one person. If you truly are different at work and different in your personal life, you're faking one of those. You really can't be two different people. I know you you kind of filter some things and guard some things in the professional environment, and hopefully you build enough trust and vulnerability with your team to let some of that guard down. But I, I get that. But to be two totally different people doesn't even make sense. The second thing is is what John Maxwell said about writing a book years and years ago uh, on, on business ethics. He was asked to write a book called Business Ethics, and he said he couldn't do that because you either, ha either have ethics or you don't. It's not just business. So again, if you have them at work and not at home or vice versa, you're faking one of those worlds. And sooner or later, it'll creep into the other world and you'll be found out as a fraud. You think, oh, maybe just this one time I will approach this differently or maybe not be quite as truthful either way. And there's no way that uh, that um, will stop from happening. You will be found out as a fraud. So when you're thinking about the three levels of the front line, that's the execution level. 
team leading or middle management are the progress levels and senior executive leadership is the vision level focused on what's next or where are we going? In other words, the organization's compass. Above all else, your profession is leadership. So no matter what role you play for either yourself or a company, you need to understand that your leadership ability transcends whatever your primary focus is. And the more you lean into that, the better you're actually going to get at your primary function. You can never learn too much. And a big key to succeeding is knowing which of these three levels you're actually in and leading at the moment. So when you're in the execution level, you are the doer. You are singularly focused on getting the one thing done. In the midst of that, it's not really the time to have a discussion about the future or the vision, especially if you don't have the right resources to get the work done. When you're in the progress level, you're the coach. You're the developer of the team. You're focused on what's being done, execution, and how it's being done with a little added what's coming next. When you're in the vision level, you're the forecaster, the fortune teller. You're, you're wanting to see your vision or dream become a reality. And when you mix these up, it creates a big problem and a huge lack of connection to those who are you're actually trying to help. You know, also stated in the Harvard Business Review article I pointed out earlier, they also point out many organizations haven't figured out how to fully develop their prospective leaders. You know, that really limits the, those people's advancement, eventually their engagement, and ultimately leads to turnover. The recent research from Gallup shows that 51% of U.S. managers feel disconnected from their jobs and companies, while 55% are looking for outside opportunities. And the problem cascades down according to two comprehensive of studies from Indeed.com, the most popular U.S. job search site, 71% of employees are either actively hunting for or open to a new job, while 58% are reviewing postings at least monthly. In other words, maybe they're not aggressively pursuing it, but they're kind of dreaming about being somewhere else. You know, the average rate of employee turnover, which uh, about three quarters, which is voluntary, has been growing steadily for the past six years. And in 2016, hit a new high of 20.3 in the United States. And it's much higher in the most active set sectors. So the stats in other countries actually stack up pretty, pretty much the same. So this isn't just... You know, we always kind of compare societies and, and, you know, how the world looks at America's workaholics maybe sometimes and how they work. But obviously, or, or, you know, it just goes to show that it isn't just that. It really is how you're setting the culture in your company, how you're communicating, how you're working together as a team. And uh, we have a podcast on how to set the culture table if you want to review that. So how can we get the clarity we need to keep every level of the team engaged, focused, and most importantly, understand each other from our perspective levels? Knowing which role you play and when you play is a great start. Like I've always said, if you want your team to be truly effective, the whole team should clearly understand what winning looks like. And the team is getting enough feedback to know how much, you know, without much prompting that they are winning. And this is the pivotal point that that team member knows that what they do on a daily basis contributes to that winning. So let's talk about the execution level, the action level, the real work. You, you ever get that feedback when you need to talk to somebody who's on the execution level and you need to share something with them and, hey, I'm doing the real work, leave me alone. When your team is working on this level, the first thing is, do they have the basics of what they need? Enough team members, time, materials, do they have support? Think of this. People that struggle to get their next meal or pay their bills like their mortgage 
aren't going to have a conversation with you about the stock market or head funds or is Bitcoin even really real? You know, most execution level team members are frustrated by the lack of communication. Many work under unrealistic expectations about support, lack of recognition. Pro tip here, this is a huge problem at every level, the recognition piece. They have a lack of feedback and they don't, don't even get me started about the whole office politics and bullying and how the team culture is. That That's, you know, the icing on the cake. But if they don't even have the basic needs, you're already in trouble. So, don't get me wrong here. I'm absolutely not saying give the execution team level members whatever they want or walk around them on eggshells afraid to bother them or say the wrong thing. They do have to understand your team's culture boundaries, meaning how we work together, and they have to understand the vision where we're going as an, as an organization. And if they aren't on board with that and we're not rowing the boat in the same direction, uh, maybe it's you know maybe it's not for them. It's okay. If, if where you are is not for everybody, but you have to be able to identify that and get buy-in for everybody. And regardless of what the vision level creates or the bridge level coaches on, if the execution doesn't happen, really all those things are just good ideas. So now let's talk let's, a little bit about the bridge level, aka team leadership or middle management, however you want to call it. But you know, middle managers get a bad rap because they kind of forget sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes where they came from, you know, or they create separation between them and the execution level. And as I like to say on my team, you know, we all work here. We just have different responsibilities. Or how many times have you seen a manager just create things to do or programs using air quotes to justify what they do? In a sense, making things about them instead of the organization or the team. I get that fact that they are not on the execution level and they're not quite on the vision level either. They are dependent on the execution level's performance. So how do they show that they make the impact? The, the worst thing you can do at any level of leading others is to make it about you. Sadly, most of us can relate to this knowing a leader who's like that. One, because it's the easy road, lazy leadership. Second, that leader was probably never taught really how to lead the right way. And third, the overall culture doesn't require good leadership. And that's a huge piece that you you work in a, in a, in a company or in an organization and you think to yourself, why aren't we better? Why isn't our culture stronger? And if your organization isn't making that important, isn't making it part of who you are, how you're, how you're rated on your annual review, your biannual review, it's probably not going to happen. So you, you, sometimes you sit there and wonder, why don't we have good leadership. Now that I've said the obvious, let's uh, about this bridge level and middle managers, because I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm bashing that level. Let's talk about, you know, connecting the execution level to the vision level. And that's why I call it the bridge level or progress needs level. If you're leading a team, you have an amazing opportunity to bridge the execution level and the vision level. So managers, let me say, and don't get mad at me for a second, because it's really not about you or at least not at first. You know, this is the first shift in the leadership pendulum. You've moved from being the main producer to helping others produce. And what that really means is your brand is now starting to change. Your focus is changing. Your brand becomes your team's brand. So we need to talk about the best ways you can impact your operation by getting things done through others. So first, you're already in charge. You don't need to tell anyone or announce it or be all micromanaging. You know, think about Sir Richard Branson's outlook on the team. Train people well enough so they can leave, but treat them well enough so they don't want to. So job one for the bridge level is to build the team. 
establish the vision with the team, but you have to provide the basic need of showing them which daily behaviors and decisions that support that vision are the things they need to be doing. Clearly articulate what winning looks like. Bridge those behaviors to winning. In other words, establish the intent of why are we here and why are we doing things the way we do them? Then you have to get the right players and the right amount of players on the team. Remember the bridge level focuses on the progress needs. Once the basic needs are met, how do you keep the music playing? And you keep the music playing by convincing your team that what they do matters. You do that through influence not force compliance. If you really want your team to row the boat, not only together, but row the boat in the right direction, constantly talk about behaviors that you do want. That's what keeps it positive and gives your team the right heading on that compass about where you're gonna be going. When you lead from compliance only, you're not really leading. What you're really doing is setting the feeling your team is doing things just for you or to make a report look pretty. The funny thing about managing through compliance is you get people to do just enough to get you to shut up. Now, literally, I know it sounds kind of harsh, but when that's the constant steady diet because it's compliance, all they want you to do as a leader is to leave them alone and move on. And sadly, what's worse is the long-term effect of that is your team doesn't stretch or grow. They won't reach for something more or give you their best. And in a lot of cases, they quit and stay. And as the bridge level, the progress needs coach. You are the glue between vision and execution. You need to work until your team doesn't need you anymore. That's when you are ready for more responsibility, a larger team, and contribute to making the vision a reality. And side note, when you've also done that, people on your team are ready for bigger opportunities as well. So it's not just you. And so on to the vision level, you have to worry about everything. I know that sounds like, like not so much fun way to work, but it's the truth. If you started a company, you're at the very top, you do feel like everything is on your shoulders because, well, it is on your shoulders. That's just the nature of it. And it's perfectly fine if you're not up for that. But plan on being challenged and disappointed a lot before the glory comes. No one is going to care more about your company than you will. Between that and as your company hopefully grows, you have to depend on the other two levels to work. You cannot do everything. As the CEO or top leader, it's your job to constantly talk about you know, protecting the vision you've created for your company and your team. Everything you do and everything your team does should contribute to making the vision a reality through a great mission statement and more importantly, a great strategy that revolves around daily behaviors and decisions that support the vision. Also, plan on being alone in your level of commitment. I know, I know, poor big corporate person alone at the top, right? But actually, it is a very normal way to feel when you're at the top. Even a department or divisional leaders can feel isolated by the nature of how they can and cannot interact with their team. You know, so many demands and problems pulling you in 10 different directions, and time is not really your friend. So check out this article published last May by Fast Company Magazine. And even if you're not the CEO, See if some of these things, these ways to combat leadership loneliness resonate with you. They say it's lonely at the top and plenty of CEOs would agree. Half, in fact, struggle with feelings of isolation. And according to the research by the Harvard Business Review, of those, 61% feel it's hurting their job performance. The fact that we're in an unprecedented era of social isolation doesn't help. But whether you're leading a team of hundreds or just starting your first job, there are healthy, powerful ways to fight loneliness 
And this is what the, the CEOs kind of came up with. And again, I don't think you need to be a CEO to feel this way. You could just be the leader of a business unit or divisional leader or a department leader. You, some of these may work for you. So find your peers. If you spend all, all day with your team, then you're not getting somebody on your level that can relate to the struggles you're going through. There's strength in numbers. And according to Alice Default, CEO and co-founder of Double, which connects executives with assistance and time-saving tech. She said, quote, I have a couple of CEOs around me who I can be completely vulnerable with. We're always positive and we're looking for support, she says. We'll call each other every few weeks to exchange war stories and ask for other hard questions and keep ourselves in check. You know, Barry Silberstein, co-founder of payment platform Payrix, says he also makes it a point to leave work out of the conversation sometime. Simple non-business text messages and email notes go a long way to really remind leaders they are not alone. See, this that's kind of the same thing any team member would do. If you're only ever talking about work, you don't really get the whole person or the whole picture. So this is no different than what everybody else is going through at any level. Also, tell your story. You know, journaling is my secret weapon to combat loneliness, says Jordan Husney, co-founder and CEO of Parable. While it may seem counterintuitive to write to oneself to feel less alone, I find it as a founder, um, I, I have a lot of unpro unprocessed feelings. So it's a way for them to work it out. And that journaling is great for everybody, however they want to do it. Or, or another thing, ask for help. The perception that talking to a therapist or coach is a sign of weakness is now an antiquated concept. And isn't that, isn't that so true? We all need at least mentors. There's nothing wrong with going to therapy to really dig into something. But at a minimum, people should be doing something with a mentor or learning from others who've already walked that path and getting big advice. So uh, another point was change up your work. Quote, I love rolling up my sleeves, which combats the loneliness, even if that's doing some work that is tedious or manual, said the CEO and founder of LinkSquares, an AI-powered contract analytics and management company. It also helps me stay connected with the team and uh, benefit from those efforts. So a couple of different things that people can do to really dig into something else. One, one other one was write a book. One of the best things I've done is create a peak performance manual that I follow religiously, says Greta McEnany, co-founder. Uh, of Blue Fever, a personal text service that provides emotional support. She writes down the routine she needs to follow to be her best physically, emotionally, and mentally. That includes built-in time for deep thinking and planning, as well as connecting and socializing. You know, that point is is pretty huge because sometimes I just talk to, especially my new emerging leaders, about just habit three of the, the seven habits of highly successful people of really um, guarding the differences and being effective with not just work time, but personal time. Because in a lot of cases, when you, when you have new managers, there's there's new pressures on the mental side that they didn't have before. And they, they get so bogged down with that, you know, they really don't schedule time things that aren't work related. They don't, I, and I know it sounds kind of nerdy and weird maybe, but planning just some thinking time and whether what, what I would suggest um, is make that part of a great early morning routine. I know you might be thinking, well, if I get up earlier, 
than I already do, I'm gonna be more tired. But you would be amazed if you set aside, it doesn't even have to be that long, 10, 15 minutes maybe, or longer if you like, but just a little bit of time to um, just get your thoughts together. Just think about things and, and just really put everything else aside and doing that. So I think uh, a lot of these things are things that that managers can really um, dig into at any level or even frontline co-work that all of these different things resonate with everybody no matter who you are. It's time for this week's commercial shout out. So a book I recently read called Business Made Simple by Don Miller. Um, when we're talking here about different levels of a company, he wrote a fantastic book, a very to the point, easy to understand, great way of looking at how to run a business, how to grow a business, how to maintain it, how to maintain yourself, all those different things in Business Made Simple. So if you haven't picked up a copy yet, you need to go to businessmadesimple.com, go to Amazon, get wherever you get books. There's a lot of great videos that come along with it where he talks about each different concept and um, you can read it. It's not a long book, but you can read it in about 60 days if you want to spread out a different module every day uh, and kind of go through that. It's just a great way to really learn all the different things you need to do as you begin a company and as you grow a company. So it kind of kind of really goes with what we're talking about here. So go to businessmadesimple.com, order the book, and uh, you'll be glad you did and uh, tell them the Leadership Lifestyle sent you there. So now back to the show. Now I've talked about the three levels of the pendulum, the execution level, the bridge level, and the vision level, but not because they need to be three separated things or silos. Actually, it's quite the opposite. Great players on a team need to know uh, when to pivot to all three of these levels, depending on you know what they're currently working on. When you understand these levels and the role they play, you can be more effective and interactive with the entire team upwards or downwards. As I said in podcast 15, four ways to build a great work culture, your org chart is a pyramid for job responsibilities, but for your team's culture, it should be one flat line. In other words, it's all the same for all the positions on your team. So I tell you all of this not to work in silos or think you're working in groups of separation or staying in your own lane. It's quite the opposite. Really learning how to merge into each other's lanes when you need to. Pendulum swing you'll go through starts as the producer of something and you'll spend almost all your time doing that one thing. And as you start to be effective and known for what you can accomplish, sooner or later, somebody will take notice and want to start want you to start helping others. Being known, learning, being effective, the go-to, and mentoring others. That's kind of the pendulum swing. So of course, the pendulum swings back the other way too. You know, as responsibilities change, you go back to being the producer, then the bridge, and then the, the vision level, the leader that focuses forward. And this happens again and again and again. So to be effective in the execution level, which is the front line, the bridge level and the vision level, let's talk about three ways you can be a great team player in each of these and three ways you can sabotage your ability to influence others. So, so first of all, in the execution level, know that you are in the crank it out mode, the work mode, getting a particular thing done. You might be thinking, duh, that's, that's what I'm doing many times, you know, but while you're doing that, we 
tend to get distracted if we really don't know the why we are doing it. So focus on being focused. Number two, understand that what you do matters. Even if you're not sure, you need to have that discussion. Ask yourself, what's the impact of what you're doing? Ask who you report to what the impact of what you're doing. Why is it so important? Uh, think about a higher purpose to work. So let me give you an example. If you own a bakery and you make wedding cakes, you aren't making a cake. You are creating a wedding memory. That is one of the most pivotal points of a wedding is the cutting of the cake, seeing the cake, all those things. You become part of that wedding. You're not just baking a cake. Think about if you own a lawn care service, how do you make that customer's house look? Other people drive by, do they slow down just a little bit and look at the landscaping? That's what you're creating for that customer, not just cutting the grass and trimming and all of those things. So think about a higher purpose of what you're doing. Number three, ask for feedback or verify what you're doing does create the impact for your team and for your company. Or if you own your own business for yourself, be coachable. And I cannot stress this enough. Be coachable. So three ways you can sabotage yourself in the execution level. One, treating your work as busy work, just rubber stamping everything, making widgets, all that kind of thing. If you think it's just busy work and you're never really going to give it the best you possibly can. Number two, question everything. Now I give you a little caution on this one. I say question everything, not to say, why are we doing this? Why is this happening? Why do we got to do it on Tuesday? I'm not that kind of questioning. I'm talking about really digging in on why is this important? And what, how, how can I make this better? How can I, what should I be looking forward to in what I'm doing? Why does it matter? And then number three, the good old circle of influence versus circle of concern. So learn to let go of what you can't control, but kind of keep it in your back pocket. In other words, there, there's going to be things that no doubt will interfere with what you're trying to do and it's out of your control and it's not, it's not fair. It's not good. It's going to hamper your ability, all of that. So keep it in your back pocket and learn from it. And as you grow in your career, you can remember those things as you move along to the next level. And you can pull that out of your back pocket and say, oh, I remember when this happened and here's how we should look at that. So that's three things you can do to be really effective at the execution level and three ways to you know, hopefully avoid sabotaging yourself in that level. So on the bridge level, number one, you've got to provide the basic needs to the team. So often we get in charge and we just start looking at, hey, what, what, what are our numbers? What do we got to hit? What's the, what's the, you think about the execution piece, but do you really make sure your team has what it needs? And there's going to be things that you won't be able to provide. I get all that. You probably, number one, won't be able to hire as many people as you'd like. And that's, you know, those, those are just some hard, honest discussions you're going to have to have. But your team has got to feel that you are focused on that and doing what you can do to give them the basics of what they need. Number two, you got to be the, you got to correlate how the behaviors of your team, what they do on a daily basis impact the business. You've got to be the one to, to show that difference of why it matters and constantly letting them know that they're making things happen. And that's why it's important. Number three, give enough feedback that there is no question what is important and how the team and individuals are winning. There really isn't, you know, when you really think about it, there's not, I guess for better lack of a better term, a lot of classified information out there. But
but really they 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 got to understand and I know I've said this numerous times if you're a constant listener of the podcast but your team really has to know what winning looks like if their daily behaviors and decisions contribute to that winning and um, are they winning if you don't give them that they're not going to give you their best and on the bridge level three ways you can sabotage yourself one not living in the reality of the execution level again I'm not saying give them everything they're asking for because you won't be able to do that. What I am saying is if you're ignoring the reality of what they're going through, it will become an us versus them mentality and you'll never get anything that you want. Number two, it's not about you. Your brand is your team's brand. The more you can do that, the more successful your team will be. And that's what will show you're ready for a larger level. Because the higher levels you go, the more things you are responsible for. Talk about people, different functions of the company that are all spread out. You can't be everywhere and that's only going to grow. So you have to get in the habit of really making sure you're growing that team and it's about them and that becomes your calling card. And then number three in sabotaging yourself, giving the execution level busy work to make you look good. This is probably, other than just, you know, just being a, a tyrant boss and treating people like garbage. This is probably the worst thing you can do. You know, they know uh, corporate companies coming to visit your department from out of town or whatever. And all of a sudden you just put all this stuff on them. They don't normally ever do. They, they see through that. You're not going to fool them, but don't give your team busy work. Keep them focused on what creates the winning for your team. So on the vision level, let's talk about three good things you can do. Number one, Your job is to articulate the vision so every single person in your organization knows it instinctively. You can't repeat it enough or talk about it enough. And in order for them to understand it, it also has to be simple enough. You know, so many visions are so cloudy. You know, you can, it's almost, think about like the preamble to the Constitution. It, It just encapsulates, you can have a longer vision of what you're really trying to do, but that first couple of sentences has to be so clear that everything you do relates back to that. So that's how simple you gotta make it. And then you gotta talk about enough of the why we are here at every level, it shouldn't matter if you're on the execution level, bridge level, or vision level, everybody understands why we're here and what we're doing. Number two, daily behaviors and decisions by the execution and bridge levels should help move the team forward in the vision. And let's delete everything else. Let's really focus on what we're doing. Well, you know, except for the uh, research and development team or anything you got working on something coming up, but what's there you're trying to get done, have some clarity on just that. Just like when I was talking about you know the bridge level, not giving the execution level busy work, make sure you're not doing the same. Which brings me to number three, be focused on the future. You know, Jeff Bezos in a, said in an interview recently that everybody that reported directly to him works in the future. And I think that's pretty awesome that you know we, we constantly are thinking about where we're going. And you know, if you're a smaller company or you're an entrepreneur, that, then that is something you need to schedule. Um, where are you going as you grow? What is your future? Somebody has to work in the future. So Think about being focused on the future of what you're doing so you, you can't stay where you're at. So it's kind of like pivoting with an open mind. You know, when, when you're thinking about the future and you're ready to move on, you can, but you can't let go of what's what's happening currently at the moment. So three ways to sabotage yourself as the vision leader is just that. Number one, being so future focused, you don't know, you know what the other two levels are doing. Don't assume it just because you've assigned it. And even just because, you know, you have meetings where everybody is, oh yeah, boss, everything's great. 
great. I would suggest an MBWA program. And that's not a funny or fancy college degree program. What MBWA means or what the letters stand for is managing by walking around in person digitally periodic visits, however you can do it. There's nothing more powerful and, and and don't make it a, you know, like a royalty visit kind of thing. Even if, especially if you can do it and nobody knows you're coming, that's the best. You can just get into the, the manufacturing facility or, or tour in a different offices in your corporate office, or if you have retail space, going out and looking at the execution of what are your customers seeing? It, you know, the, the more you can do that, it, it really creates two things, especially if you're and what you need to do is come with just with the the mindset of just discovering and understanding that your team really should be used to seeing you. And it's not like a, oh, we're under inspection or, or any of those things. It's really more of they're so used to seeing you. It's it's it, it's pretty relaxed atmosphere. And there's some great interaction between the two. Number two, don't assume no matter how charismatic or great sale, a great salesperson you are, that um, the others will have as much ownership as you. Like you think about your talking about your vision, your dream, and all of those things, or if you've taken the uh, Working Genius survey at workinggenius.com, that you're such a good galvanizer that there's no way that uh, anybody couldn't be as excited as you are about it. Just don't assume that. You have to constantly check in with folks and check in with the team and, and really pay attention to how things are going on the execution level and the bridge level, as well as what's coming down the road. Don't assume anything. And number three, not asking yourself now what and what if. You know, you're not thinking about what, okay, we accomplished something. So now what do we do? You know, you can go back to podcast number eight, the two two word sentences that always propel you forward um, to get some ideas on that. Don't rest on what you've won. Think about Simon Sinek's infinite game. Have the accomplishments, the celebrations, and all of those things, but then move on to what's next. Whatever level you're predominantly working in, that's how you'll filter everything at work and probably filter what I've just said in this podcast. You're coming from that perspective. And that is perfectly natural. We care most about what directly affects us, but ignoring or not acknowledging how you interact with the other levels is what really creates division. It creates silos. It creates staying in your own lane. So for yourself, stay focused on what you need to get done, but to collaborate with others. And this is the most important point for those of you working at higher levels. You can get so much more out of your team when you, you know how to approach each level. So ask yourself, what level am I on in, in this particular moment, this project or whatever you're trying to accomplish for that day? Are you executing or are you envisioning or are you that bridge that brings those two levels together? And uh, don't forget to consider you can pivot through these levels a few times, uh, even in the same day. And knowing when to pivot gives yourself some sanity. It keeps your whole team feeling engaged. And most importantly, they feel like they matter because everyone on your team does matter. Every person, every job, every role in those jobs, you and they matter. So what did we learn today? How did you grow just a little bit? Or more importantly, how can you help someone else grow? That's the whole point of Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, hit that subscribe button. Tell all your colleagues and friends and neighbors all about the show. Give us comments, feedback, things like that. We will grow together and we will see you next week on the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast.